You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us on an all-new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. And during this global pandemic that we are in, I need to continuously express my deepest desire for all of you that are tuned into this right now, your loved ones, your family, your friends, your significant others, your coworkers, your staff, everyone in between need to make sure that you are remaining healthy. But I do want to also express my gratitude for you tuning into this episode, diving into some personal development nonetheless during this pandemic, which goes to show how damn committed you are and I really really truly respect that and you picked no better episode to do so we are joined today my guy health and fitness expert Drew Manning is hopping on this show New York Times bestselling author of fit to fat to fit the unexpected lessons from gaining and losing 75 pounds on purpose yes I said on purpose we are diving into that today now Drew is also the creator of the A&E show fit to fat to fit and the host of the fit to fat to fit experience podcast Drew's been an inspiration to many with over a million social media followers. He continuously helps transform people's lives all around the world. He's known for his straightforward and empathetic fitness and health coaching approach, which we're diving into today on this episode. He's been featured on The Dr. Oz Show, CNN, Good Morning America, The Tonight Show, The View, and MSNBC, just to name a few. We're diving into a whole lot here, more so on the personal development side of his journey and how he was able to gain 75 pounds, lose it, apply that to his his business, so on and so forth. We're diving into a whole bunch, and I'm really excited to be able to amplify this to all of you. Now, this wouldn't be possible without our partners over at Acadium. As mentioned, we're in this pandemic. We're all working remotely, and Acadium allows us to grow our remote team by hiring apprentices or interns for your business. You have the complete control of doing this. You have a database, a pool of individuals, students, really, that are looking to level up their marketing game under your guidance and help you grow your business or your projects your endeavors, whatever you have going on, they're willing, they're able to help you. And this is your opportunity to tap into this resource that I'm sharing with you today to check it out. All you have to do is go to the show notes of this episode. And before diving into this, I also want to express how important it is to be sharing these episodes. These are completely free, free resources for all of you that are tuned in right now. It takes literally no time to click the little square button or the little three dots and just hit share, send it to your group chat, send it to your coworkers, email email it, whatever the case is. If you're listening to this, the people in your circle are most likely going to want to listen to this as well because you're in proximity of them. There's a reason you're in proximity of them. So I highly, highly suggest and encourage you to do so. And now without further ado, we bring to you my guy, Drew Manning. Drew, first and foremost, man, I need to say thank you for hopping on here during this rather trying time as we were just discussing before we started recording, man. I really appreciate you hopping on and excited to decode your success. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's my pleasure and, and definitely looking forward to, you know, trying to provide value for, for everyone listening. A hundred percent, man. Listen, we kick this show off with the same question. I'm really curious to know how you're going to answer it. We always ask, how do you personally define success? That's a good question. It's evolved over the years. <laughs> I think, you know, when I saw movies or saw celebrities or athletes, I used to think, okay, that's success, you know, reaching the pinnacle of some type of performance or, or measurement, whether it's money or, or fame of some type. For me now, it's totally different. Being a dad, at the end of the day, even if all my businesses fail, if I show, show up as my true self and I can be authentically me and, and the best dad I can be, um, even if everything else fails, business, finances, 
if I know that my girls are proud to call me dad, for me, that is success. For I myself. love that, man. It's different yeah, for each person, but that's kind of where I'm at now. It probably evolved exactly. 10 years from now as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's exactly why we, first and foremost, that's why we asked that question, you know, because um, originally the show came about because we really just wanted to prove a point that everyone defines success their own way. And I think you said it beautifully. I'm just really curious, man. Like, how do you get in the mindset of showing up authentically day in and day out? Because we're always so tempted to, and as you alluded to, right, you know, you see a movie, you see a celebrity, they're driving a Ferrari, they're doing this, like you deem that as successful in a way. So like, how do you find yourself getting in the mindset of just staying true to who you truly are? That's a good question. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with self-reflection and self-awareness, which is something that's developed over the years. I wish it was something you just took a pill and and boom, you have all this self-awareness. For me, it's it's kind of evolved over the years of learning from mistakes, hitting rock bottom, doing hard things, um, and breaking free from the old programming of thinking, you know, of the way we're supposed to think. We're taught how to think from, you know, four years years old, five years old, up on upwards from teachers, coaches, parents, you know, church leaders, whoever it is, we're kind of influenced and we're taught how to, how to, how to behave and, and, and how to think. And I think once you learn, almost unlearn all of that, and you've, you discover the authentic you, uh, showing up every day, it becomes a little bit easier. You don't think about it, right? It's not like you try and be authentic. You just are right at that point. And so it's, it's developing self-awareness over the years. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, I still have a long ways to go, but I've looking back, I've, I've probably progressed more than I have in the past five years, learning new techniques and new tools in my tool belt of how to develop that self-awareness. Um, you know, I've really kind of evolved into a more genuine, authentic version of myself. Yeah, man, we're all on this journey, you know, and uh, like you said, you're, you're probably going to evolve even more. We all are, but I'm curious, like, what was it over the course of that five years? Like, what tools are you referring to that um, have helped you continuously develop even more so over the course of that time? Yeah, so it, it kind of it comes down to stepping out of my comfort zone or my little of of what my tools used to be, which were safe, right? And I'm comfortable right. and I'm, I'm used to them, which was, you know, I grew up in a very strict religion. So the religion that I grew up in was, you know, we're taught prayer and scriptures and fasting. And those things are all tools, in my opinion, to become a better version of yourself. Uh, but for me personally, once I hit rock bottom, going through a divorce, going through some tough financial times, I was, uh, I was truly humbled. And in those moments, I was like, you know what, I'll do whatever it takes to kind of get back up again. And uh, so at that point I was open to things like therapy, which I wasn't really open to before. Uh, uh, you know, life coaching, some type of mentor, uh, reading books, which I didn't really read growing up. Uh, so learning uh, from Brene Brown, I love her work. Uh, Daring Greatly was one of the first books I read that really changed my perspective of going through the guilt and the shame of, of a divorce and how do I move past that. Um, from there, it would be things like meditation, which I grew up thinking was weird and not knowing how to do, positive right. affirmations, a gratitude list, uh, going out in nature, being by myself, traveling alone as well, kind of helped develop that sense of, of figuring out who I was without friends or family or, you know, um, or anyone, uh, uh, you know, that I was familiar with. So those kind of things over the years have really helped develop that. 
I appreciate the transparency, man. I mean, it means a lot just being able to amplify that because this is the stuff people need to hear, you know, and uh, I appreciate you sharing that here. But I'm curious, I want to start connecting the dots. Like, who was Drew in high school? We're learning about who Drew is now. Like, who was Drew in high school? Was he always health conscious? Was he an athlete? Was he, you know, like, what were the dreams? What were the goals back then? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters. So wow. for me, yeah, I don't know how, how my parents did it, but 11 kids, right? I was number seven of 11 and we all played sports. So I kind of just fell in line and played sports with him. I grew up in, in this strict culture of the religion um, that I was raised in. And uh, yeah, I was more of the jock, I guess you could say. Uh, played football and wrestling, thought that was cool. But looking back, I didn't really know who I was at the time. So I would give in to peer pressure to be accepted, right? I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. I hated the feeling of getting made fun of or being disliked or being picked on. So I was like, well, you know, I don't like that. I'm just going to do what it takes to fit in and not really understanding the, the downfalls of that. You kind of lose yourself in blending in with certain people and doing things that you normally wouldn't do. But you know, everyone else is doing it. So why not? So I was a scared little boy that didn't really know who I was. I didn't really know what I stood for or how I was supposed to show up in the world. So I just kind of went with the flow, playing sports, excelled at sports, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do for my future. And then from there, I went on a mission for the church I was raised in, which was um, an amazing experience. Even though I'm not religious anymore, the, those two years I went to Brazil by far one of the most um, life-changing experiences I've ever had. I think if you could take every American teenage kid, uh, well, you know, most of them are spoiled and, <laughs> and things like that, put them in a third world country, you know, for even six months, it'll change their life forever, right? They'll be so right. much more appreciative of the little things they have. For me, I got to learn another language. It became fluent in Portuguese. Um, I learned, uh, I just fell in love with the people, the culture, the food, the music, just the lifestyle down there was just so eye-opening. And, so yeah, I had those experiences. And, and so that's kind of who I was back then. Like I said, I didn't really have any dreams other than just kind of falling in line and doing what you're supposed to do, which was get married, have kids, get a job, pay bills. I love that, man. So what, um, I, I guess, what transpired in your life to put you on this health journey? You know, was it just because you were an athlete? Yeah, that's a great question. So it kind of, um, like, I said, evolved over the years where I've always been into health and fitness. I remember watching my older brothers play football and wrestling. I was like, man, those guys are badasses. Like, I want to be like them. I want to have muscles right. and be good at sports. And so I really put the time into training and, and uh, you know, being good at sports, football and wrestling specifically. And I did get really good at those things. So health and fitness has always been a part of my life. But from there, I transitioned to the business world, was a financial analyst for a few years, then went to the medical field. And it wasn't until 2008 happened. A lot of people don't know this about my story. But 2008, obviously, we know what happened to the economy. I was working for the U.S. auto industry at the time, so we all know what happened there. I got bought out, and we moved to Utah, me and my uh, wife at the time, where her family is from, and I was looking for a job. Couldn't find a job for eight months. So I was like, wow, what am I going to do for income? So I was like, well, I, 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 what are my passions? I, I like health and fitness. Maybe I'll become a trainer. So I got certified as a trainer. From there, I started training clients, and that's where the idea of Fit to Fit to Fit came about. And that's kind of what most people know me as is the fit to fat to fit guy, you know, did that crazy journey of gaining 75 pounds in six months, documenting it, and then losing that weight in the next six months and wrote a book and created a TV show around it and a whole brand called fit to fat to fit. So that's kind of how that, um, that idea came about. 
Dude, that is literally crazy. I want to touch on that. But before I forget this question, I know you just mentioned being in the business world. How do you, and maybe you could use, you know, your experience in the business world, plus what you're doing now um, to answer it. Like, dude, I, I have so many people that listen to this show that are in corporate or, you know, they own businesses and they're just at their desk all day. They're really not moving. And, you know, they want to have that healthy lifestyle. They want to be fit. They want to have the abs. They, they want to, you know, be someone that's going to live to 120 years old. Um, how do you maintain that health in a, in a business world? Yeah, that's a good question. It is, it, it can be really hard, especially if it's never been a part of your life before. The issue I see, you know, working with a lot of people in, in these situations is they want that to be a part of their life, right? They want to make some changes. And so what I see them do is they try and willpower their way to a new lifestyle. And the problem with that is most people aren't built for just willpowering their way through things. Uh, unless you're like Jocko Willink or like some, you know, kind of David Goggins type of mentality, that's not the 99% of the population. Right. I love this book called Willpower Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. And if anyone has struggled with trying to willpower the way into a new lifestyle, I highly recommend reading that book because what it does is it shifts your perception of how to make changes in your life. A lot of times we try to willpower our way to a healthy lifestyle. Well, I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to eat healthy food. I'm not going to mess up uh, and I'm going to be consistent th this whole year, right? We start January 1, we make these new changes and a month in, we're tired, we're sore, we're starving, we're exhausted, we're like, and we barely see any results and we're like, this isn't worth it. So I'm just going to go back to my old ways. And, and that happens time and time again. The, the issue is people's perception of what success looks like in health and fitness. People's perception is, well, I got to get the results to be successful. And yeah, that's partly true. But the issue with that is if you're focusing only on the results and defining your, your success based off those results, the issue is you'll never truly fall in love with the process, right? The key to any lasting lifestyle change, whether it's in health and fitness or, or you know, spiritually or emotionally or, or anything like that, is to learn to fall in love with the process to where you don't even have to think about it. You just do it because it's a part of you, almost like a religion. When you're part of a religion, you've done it for so long. You're like, hey, this is just how I live my life. Like I don't drink alcohol. I don't, you know, I try not to sin. I try and do my best. You, but at that point, it's, it's almost like autopilot. For people in health and fitness, it's got to be, they're looking for the quick out. They want the, the quick results with minimal effort. And the issue is that doesn't exist. <laughs> And so people keep trying a new diet, a new supplement, a new exercise program to get those results, thinking that that one thing is going to save them. If they just take this magic pill, then boom, they'll get the results and then they can relax. But that's not true. It's got to be something where it becomes a part of your life day in and day out to where you just fall in love with the process and then the results take care of themselves over time because you're consistently living that lifestyle. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. I'm just really curious because we hear it often, you know, and I respect it. Like falling in love with the process is a major key, but it's really freaking hard nonetheless, whether it is in business, whether it is in health. So what's your advice? Do you set micro goals to, you know, potentially aid in that process? Yes, 100%. So getting back to the book I was talking about, what power doesn't work, what he recommends is learning how to adapt to new environments. Humans are the ultimate adaptation machines. So if you put us in a new environment, guess what? We're going to learn to adapt to that new environment. Um, so find ways around your house to create a new environment for yourself that forces you to adapt to that new environment. And then from there, the change just happens naturally because you're adapting, right? So uh, micro goals are great doing small things uh, to prove to yourself that you can do hard things. A lot of times people just go in and they try and run 
you know, a mile they haven't ran in 10 years, you know, right, right, and right. they try and just go all out. And before you know it, they're puking, they're exhausted. But uh, what I found is if you start with small things, like for example, hey, try making your bed every single day. Try and be perfect in that one thing. And yeah, that's not going to get you a six pack, but it's creating a different mindset that you can be consistent with little things at first. And then those little things can be harder things like, all right, now I'm going to take a 30 second cold shower every day, right? I'm going to turn the water on freezing cold at the very end of my shower and just let it suck and let it be painful for 30 seconds. And then from there, you graduate to 60 seconds. Then you start training your mind like, okay, I'm doing these things that suck and I'm able to make it past that. Now let's try and upgrade and graduate to, you know, a little bit harder things. And so I love the, the idea of micro goals and starting small, but then proving to yourself that you are more than those self-limiting beliefs and you can do those things that you used to think were impossible at one point in time. Right. I love it, man. I love it. So talk to me about why you intentionally gained 75 pounds. I, I understand the why. I know you did it to be able to relate yeah. to your clients, which is super admirable. But like, what put that idea in your head? Was it like reading a business book or did something just compel you to do it? It was one of my clients who was my um, ex-brother-in-law at the time. And he I was overweight and I was training him, I think for like $10 a session, like super cheap. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he was doing the workouts together. We were doing the workouts together, but then at family functions, he would go and eat the food. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I would get so mad at him. Like, you're not supposed to be eating this food. He's like, yeah, but it's so-and-so's birthday. And, you know, I just wanted some cake. I'm like, I get it, but you want results too, right? He's like, yeah, but I also want to live my life. And anyways, we kind of had a heart to heart where he's like, look, man, for you, your whole life, it's been easy for you. Like you've you you haven't really had to try really hard to get where you're at. Uh, but for me, it's really hard. And that's something that I don't think you understand. And I was like, wow, maybe you're right. Maybe there's something I need to learn. So anyways, that's where I started thinking of ideas. And then it just happened. This idea popped up in my head. What if you got fat on purpose to better understand your clients and gain a, you know, a better understanding of what it's like to be overweight? Because here I am, you know, most trainers are people who have never been overweight a day in their life. Most of them are gifted naturally and they look great. That's awesome. And they work hard to maintain that for sure. Um, but there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, and, and disconnect. I, I foresee when you take someone that's never been overweight day in their life and they try and help someone who's been overweight pretty much every day of their life. Uh, so that was the, the idea behind wanting why I wanted to do this, um, this crazy experiment. Yeah, man, that's crazy. So how were you doing it, man? Like, did you have it like, were you just loading up on fucking McDonald's or something? Like, (laughs) what was the how? (laughs) So I saw, I remember seeing Morgan Spurlock and Supersize Me years before. And I was like, okay, I think, I think most people know fast food is, is not as, you know, unhealthy. I think most people generally know that, especially after seeing that documentary, it's crazy. So what I wanted to do was focus on everyday American foods that a lot of us grew up on in the 70s, 80s, you know, all these highly processed American foods that are super cheap, super convenient. And I'll be honest with you, it tastes really, really good. <laughs> so right, right. <laughs> honestly, it was like sugary cereals, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch was my jam. I had that like every single day. I love it, by the way. Uh, I still do. I just try not to eat it. <laughs> uh, sugary cereals, juices, granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, uh, peanut butter sandwiches, mac and cheese, hot pockets, um, you know, top ramen, uh, SpaghettiOs, all these foods that we have here in America that we have Literally, you go to the grocery store, hundreds of different flavors of these things, like sodas and cereals and cookies. And we have so many different flavors and kinds. 
And that's what, that's what the food I was eating 95% of the time was these highly processed foods that make you feel good temporarily, but then they just leave you feeling starving a couple hours later. So Drew, you just named about 90% of my diet except for pizza, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is crazy. Damn, man. I, I give you so much credit for putting yourself in other people's shoes like that and you know, transforming your life back to show that it's even possible, right? And I think that is an underlying factor there, which is crazy. But I'm curious, like, what was the process coming back down when you gained the 75 pounds? Like, were there any side effects that you were experiencing? Yeah, that's a great question. So I remember, you know, after six months of eating this way, eating about 5,000 calories of, of that food per day, and then all of a sudden cold turkey switching, I remember those first two weeks were really eye-opening, going back to eating healthy, because I was excited to lose the weight. I was, you know, kind of disgusted with myself. I didn't like being overweight because it changed my identity a little bit, and I wanted to get back in shape. But I remember those first two weeks were the worst experience I've ever had going back to eating healthy food, because what had happened is my body adapted to the highly processed foods that I just mentioned. And even though I was eating healthy food uh, and, um, you know, eating 2000 calories, which I wasn't starving myself, right? It was a good amount of food still. Oh, man, I was, I was grumpy. I was moody. I was hangry all the time. Um, I had headaches. And I remember my eyes were open in this moment because I remember my clients telling me they would struggle to eat healthy food. I couldn't understand why is it so hard for you guys just to put down the junk food, like stop eating it. Just don't do it and then eat the healthy food. Why is it so hard? <laughs> and then here I was, I ate this way for six months and then trying to transition back to eating healthy was one of the hardest things I've ever done because my body was fighting back against me. It wanted the high that had, it had had those past six months from these foods and it created a drug like dependency where I was going through withdrawal symptoms for those first two weeks. And I, it, oh, it, my, it clicked for me. This is what my clients have been telling me. And, and the emotional connection to food is way more powerful than I ever imagined. Cause I just thought, Hey, you guys just lack willpower. Like just be disciplined and do it. But then here I was struggling to eat this way. My, and realizing my body was fighting against me. And so it wasn't just as simple as eating less and, and putting down the junk food the emotional connection to food it was way more powerful than I, than I uh, figured it would be. And so the journey back was very humbling, a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, I kind of compare it to being on top of this mountain my entire life, right? All the fitness trainers, the Insta models out there, we're all on top of this mountain. The clients are down at the bottom and we're trying to yell at them from the top, like, look, it's so easy. Here's the path. Just do this, 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 and stop falling back down. Like the path seems so easy when you're looking at it from the top. But from the bottom for the first time now I had come down to the bottom and looking up was a totally different perspective and that climb up the hill, even though I made it back was one of the hardest, hum most humbling things I've done because here I was six months, you know, 75 pounds heavier, totally out of shape. The journey back up was way harder than I ever imagined it would be. And so I kind of uh, made me more empathetic towards my clients and towards those that struggle with transformation because it's not as simple as just, you know, one foot in front of the other, be perfect with your diet and exercise. Yes, that's a part of it. But man, the emotional struggles along the way are, are way more than I, I, I bargained for. And that's why I have no regrets doing this because it made me more empathetic. Like I said, a better understanding, not a complete understanding, but a better understanding and more respect for those that struggle with, with transformation. Because if you never struggled with it, you don't understand how hard it is for some people. You just think they're just lazy or they lack willpower. And this really opened up my eyes to just how wrong I was. Right, man. That's, that's crazy. So what do you do to suggest 
remaining disciplined, right? Like you use that word. I'm really curious, you know, whether you're talking to your clients now that you've had that experience, or if you look back on your experience, like what did you do or what do you suggest to remain disciplined? That's a good question, man. It's one of those things that, um, like I said, it's not, it's not a destination. It's going to be a journey for the rest of your life. It's one of those things that's going to, it's going to be, you know, you're going to need to work on. It's not like you arrive at it one day. It's, it's, so what I find for myself is constantly changing my environment and adapting to new environments. So setting new goals, for example, for example, let me put this into perspective. Yes, I've worked out my, my entire life and I've always like had the motivation to go and, you know, do some curls and bench press and things like that. But for me, if I don't have a, a set goal, something very specific, I get burned out of, of just exercising, just exercise. Like I know I'm supposed to do it, but there's times where I just lack motivation. So sometimes I will force myself into a new environment to adapt to that new environment. So sometimes that's training for a Spartan race, which I don't really train. I hate running, but I've, I forced myself to do it because I don't want to show up on race day note with no training for running at all. Right, um, right. And then recently, more recently, I'm training for a hundred mile run, which I've never done a marathon in my life, um, except for, for training for this hundred miler. I attempted to do it last year and I suck at running, but I, I gave myself 24 hours and I didn't finish the hundred. I got 80 miles done, which I was still pretty proud of myself with one and a half months of training. This year I've been training for six plus months and um, it's coming up here probably the next couple months. We had to postpone it because of the coronavirus thing. Um, but anyways, it's going to be happening probably within the next couple months. And what that does for me is, is it forces me to adapt to a new environment. Like I have to actually go out there and run for one hour, two hours, three hours plus. Sometimes, even though it sucks, I, I'm forcing myself to adapt to new environments. And so other times I'll take cold showers or other times I'll set a goal to journal every single day outside and now that the weather is changing. So it's, it's little things like that, that it's, that forces you to adapt to new environments. And then what that does is helps you to stay disciplined. I'm not going to be perfect every day, but it's going to, uh, most likely I'm going to, you know, set those goals, announce those goals on social media and help people uh, to keep me accountable towards those goals. I love what you just said, announcing it on social media. I've always found that whenever I wanted to do something, for instance, this podcast is a perfect example. You know, when you put it out in that world or, or put it out into the world, I should say, you know, you would look like a fraud if you don't hit that goal in a way, or if you don't at least pursue it in some way, shape or form. So you saying that is huge, man. Like that, that goes to show that's a great way to, you know, hold yourself accountable and also hold, have others hold you accountable too. Yeah, that's the most important thing is a lot of people try and do this by themselves. And some people, a very small percentage probably can, but if you're trying to do it alone, it's going to be, I think, 10 times harder versus either hiring an accountability coach, a trainer of some type, having your friend, family member do the journey with you so that you're not just suffering through it alone, but having someone to kind of, uh, you know, walk the walk with a little bit. And then also maybe finding a support group online. There's so many Facebook groups, you know, just going in there asking questions, um, you know, posting your progress so other people can cheer you on. And, you know, then you start paying it forward because people are like, oh, what did you do once you got to your goal? Then you start paying it forward by helping them because you've been in their shoes. And that's another way to, to maintain this lifestyle change is, is by paying it forward and finding someone else to help because you know the struggles that they're going through because you just went through them and you give them the advice and the tips that helps you through that. And then now you're, you're wanting to live that lifestyle because now people are looking to you to learn from you. 
Exactly, man. That's powerful. Now, Drew, I know you've done a ton of these interviews. You've been on a million and one shows. I'm really curious. What's a question that you wish more people would ask you when you are doing press and how would you answer it? That's a good question. Um, I don't really have a specific question per se, but like I enjoy talking about fit to bed fit and the physical journey of what I went through. But I love that we've, for example, on this podcast, been able to talk about more so the mental and emotional side and why people struggle, because that's where I feel what's missing in the fitness industry, right? The fitness industry, people always want to know, oh, how do you lose weight? How do you get abs? I get that. Physical transformation is one of those things that we're all trying to chase, thinking it's going to bring us fulfillment. When in reality, you know, we all know that's a myth. Like we know, I know so many people with six pack abs, 5% body fat that look great on Instagram, but still struggle with, you know, loving themselves and uh, finding happiness and being fulfilled, even though they have quote unquote success in this area, it's similar to chasing money. Yes. You know, if I get this money, all my problems will go away. If I get this body, you know, all my problems will go away. I wish that were true. And people are chasing after that. So uh, I prefer to talk more about about the mental and emotional side of how we help people overcome those emotional challenges. And, and sometimes it, it stems from past traumas and, and from childhood and learning to let go of that. And then what happens is once people can learn to let go of that emotional trauma is they start making better choices physically, but they don't see the correlation between the emotional or spiritual and physical choices they make in their life. They just think, what's wrong with me? Why can't I eat healthy and exercise every single day. Well, you know, some of it is stems from emotional trauma because you've learned to cope with that through substances like food that taste really good, that make you feel good temporarily, or for some people it's alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it is to numb the pain. So being raising that level of self-awareness to understand that connection is the key to overcoming it because then now you're, instead of reacting on the subconscious level, you're able to thoughtfully respond to your situation and say, oh, I'm being triggered. My spouse is yelling at me and I'm stressed out and I'm wanting to grab the chicken nuggets or the cinnamon toast crunch, whatever it is. <laughs> but now I have this self-awareness where I'm aware of it and now I'm observing my thoughts. I'm not reacting to them. I'm just observing them. And now I can thoughtfully respond to this situation, whereas in the past 20, 30 years, I would just react by chugging a bottle of wine or eating a chocolate cake to deal with it temporarily, but then feeling worse, you know, when the guilt and shame set in. So that's what I prefer to talk about more so than just, you know, hey, how do you do keto, macros, calories, workouts? So hopefully it answers your question. No, it definitely does. And you want to know what your response actually peaked um, uh, another question in my mind. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Horton, obviously the, the founder of P90X. Uh, yeah. We had him on the show and he actually said something to me and you know, what you just said, how you know people that have six pack abs or you know, gorilla shoulders or, or whatever the <laughs> case is, um, they're not necessarily happy in ways, right? And t- mm-hmm. Tony actually had a good point and I don't know why this necessarily spurred in my mind, but Tony was like, dude, you can't have a goal to look good um, and stay consistent, right? He's he's like, dude, it just won't happen. And it kind of alludes to the fact that you were talking about the process earlier. So do you agree with that? Like your goal when you are um, maintaining a diet or a healthy lifestyle, I really should say, and, you know, working out, et cetera, do you think the goal should be to just live your best life in regards to, you know, being healthy, making sure your blood pressure is good, your cholesterol is good, et cetera? I think it differs per person, but what I am okay with is certain, maybe if someone's like 
you know, they want to make a change in their life. They're, they haven't worked out in years and they want to get healthy again. I'm okay with initially them saying, you know what, I want to have a good looking body. Like I'm okay with that as their first off motivation. But what they'll find is during that process, hopefully they reach their goals and they get the body. They realize that that's not the thing that makes them happy temporarily. Yes, you will be happier, you know, when you're healthier and you have this good looking body. But at what point is your happy balance going to come into play? And what I mean by that is, for some people, yes, they can sacrifice for six months, count all their calories, weigh their food, uh, track their macros, work out every single day, be 100% disciplined and get the body. But then, you know, are they going to be happier? That totally depends. You know, do you like bringing Tupperware containers full of chicken and broccoli and rice with you and, and your friends are out eating or your daughter has a birthday and you can't eat the cake because it doesn't fit into your macros and you got to eat almonds, you know, instead. Is that your happy balance, maintaining 5% body fat, but having to do all that, or is your happy balance somewhere maybe at 10%, 12% and you feel good, your blood pressure is good. Um, you know, all your lipids look good and, but you're not like shredded and ripped like you want to be, but you're happier because you can actually live life and, and have a glass of wine and some chocolate cake every once in a while. So I think it evolves over the years. I'm okay with people's first initial response to wanting a physical transformation thinking that's going to bring them some form of happiness but hopefully over the over time they learn that okay maybe there's there's a, a better balance and it's not just about the body right now what's your happy balance do you find yourself uh, ever quote unquote cheating are you eating the chicken parm are you eating the, the uh, what would you mention um cinnamon toast crunch are you still getting into that <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I found my happy balance, you know, now that I'm 39 years old, my, my daughters are eight and 10 years old. For me, I definitely have more of a relaxed, uh, happy balance. Whereas before I used to be obsessed with having, you know, low body fat. Now I still like to look good. I probably, but I don't care as much as I used to. Um, so for me, I, I have a way better, uh, balance when it comes to eating unhealthy food. So yes, I will have, ice cream every once in a while, or we'll have a, a cheat day with my daughters every once in a while, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I'm not 100% strict all the time. But for me, if I do want to be strict for a season and, and go for a goal, I know I can do that. But other times I'm like, you know what? I'm in Italy. I'm going to have pasta. I don't care if I'm, it's, it, it's not keto. Like I'm just going to enjoy it and, and not feel guilty about it. The key is to shift your perception of food is being labeled good or bad. There's good and bad consequences to food, but we don't have to label food as good or bad. That's the issue is if you could get over that and learn how to just look at food as food, right? And yeah, if I eat this dairy and ice cream and lots of sugar, I'm, and I'm lactose intolerant, I know what that's going to do to me. <laughs> like That's going to be a bad consequence, but maybe I'll let it slide, you know, maybe a few times a year, just because I like this a lot and I want to experience the flavor, but I know that afterwards that there's going to be bad consequences. Um, so yeah, it's just learning who you are in those moments and, and knowing, okay, what's the happy balance for me? Exactly, man. Happiness is key. Happiness is definitely key. So Drew, on the way out of these interviews, we always ask three questions. The first one's a little cliche, I must admit, mm -hmm. but the second one leading up to it um, is reverse engineered. So I'm going to kick it off. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Mm, that's a good question. <sighs> Learning to say no. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I sucked my whole life at saying no. I still kind of do, but I'm way better than I used to be because I used to be a people pleaser like to the nth degree where I just 
couldn't stand if someone disliked me. So I would do whatever it took to, to please them, which can, you kind of lose your way. So yeah, uh, learning to say no. And um, the, the thing that I've learned about that is when you say no to someone else, you're saying yes to yourself. So yep. Instead of feeling bad about saying no, just realize you're saying yes to yourself. I love that. And I think it goes hand in hand with what you mentioned earlier and how you define success, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. being authentically who you truly are, you know, and yeah. you saying no and what you just uh, responded to that question, man, that, that goes hand in hand. So I definitely appreciate that. But on the reverse end of it, right, you know, that was the best piece of advice you ever received. What was a piece of advice that you received that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but it proved to be true over time? That was one of them as well. <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you, I'm like, ah, oh, you're saying I have to say no to these things. There's so many things I want to say yes to. But um, so that one, you know, uh, learning to say no and realizing that it's not the end of the world. Um, let's see another one. Um, uh, oh, learning not to take things personally and realizing that someone's issues with you have nothing to do with you. Uh, this was a really hard lesson for me to learn because I, like I said, used to be a people pleaser and I couldn't stand it when, I, cause I would take it so personally when someone didn't like me or had an issue with me and what I've learned over the years, um, which was really hard to learn it this way when people dislike me or had an issue with me, I had to learn to let that go and realize that that's a reflection of how they see themselves. And man, that right. puts the power back in your shoes where instead of giving that person power over you and like letting it ruin your day because this person says something mean to you or someone online said something like disrespectful and instead of you know back in the in the past it would consume me right like who how dare this person they don't even know me like you want to argue back right and fight (laughs) uh but learn to let go of that is so powerful because you you learn to be at peace and you realize that you know the way people act towards you is a reflection of how they see themselves. It just lets you forgive people so much more versus taking things personally. Um, So that was a really powerful lesson for me to learn. I love that, man. Now, Drew, last question for you. If you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, like if you were hopping on podcasts, writing new books, et cetera, and you could only give one piece of advice, what would that advice be? That's a good question. Um, learn to operate out of a place of self-love versus self-hate. And here's the, the reason I say that. When you operate your life out of a place of self-love, so you have you love yourself, you're, all your other relationships improve. Instead, if you operate out of a place of self-hate, you look at other people the way you view yourself. So like I just mentioned, everything's a mirror of how we see ourselves. And um, you realize that it, all your suffering, your your hate, your anger towards other people is um, is is when you are operating out of a place of self hate, and when you do that, you tend to self sabotage or do failure like things because you think you're yourself as a failure. And instead of once you uh, learn how to love yourself, and I know it sounds super cliche, but it, if you're operating out of a place of self love, you're more forgiving, you're more loving, you're more empathetic, you want to help people more. And you don't take things as personally uh, when people come at you. And um, yeah, it, the way the whole operation of, of operating out of a place of self-love is, is so much more enjoyable to, to live your life that way. Yeah, it most definitely is, man. It most definitely is. Drew, I appreciate that. Now, I'm going to have all of your social handles, where they can get the book, different types of projects, et cetera, in the show notes. But if there's something I don't know that you want to drop right now, I would love to amplify that for you. Yeah, thanks. And you, uh, you could just find me online at fit 
to fat to fit. That's with the number two in between. So fit number two, fat number two, fit on all my social media handles. That's my website, it's my book, my podcast. And um, yeah, you can check out my keto programs on my website, my book. I have two books, one called Fit to Fat to Fit and one called Complete Keto, both available on Amazon. Uh, you can check those out as well if you're looking to get started. I appreciate it, Drew. Thank you again for taking the time, especially during this whole coronavirus thing to hop on here, add value, and uh, truly do appreciate it, man. Okay, thanks for having me on. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from my guy Drew Manning, dropping a whole ton of value during a fucking global pandemic, nonetheless. So, Drew, I appreciate you hopping on here. Appreciate you dropping all this value and being able to amplify it, nonetheless, to all of our amazing community members here at Decoding Success. Make sure you're connecting with Drew through the links in the show notes of this episode. He's all over social. Let him know you heard him here on Decoding Success. I'm sure he would be absolutely thrilled to hear from you. And, of course, I need to break down these three points, and I need to start with with the most obvious drew number one drew literally gained 75 freaking pounds to be able to relate better to his clients i'll repeat that because you already heard it once you heard it probably twice this is going to be the third time let this really resonate with you drew gained 75 fucking pounds to relate to his clients that is crazy put yourself in people's shoes this is why the most successful businesses are from from problems that were solved. They were all started because there was a problem, whether that was in the household, whether that was in the office, whether that was wherever, and the problem was solved. They were in the shoes of the consumer. They were in the shoes of the people that were going to use it. But it's much larger than that, right? It comes down to not judging someone if you're not in the same boat as them, if you're not in the same shoes as them. So always remember to make sure that you are continuously putting yourself in the shoes, and maybe it's a little drastic to gain 75 pounds for you, just like Drew did, but there's other ways to go about doing it, and I really really wanted to drill that home because that is absolutely freaking powerful nonetheless so that's point number one point number two continuously show up as your true self drew mentioned that way in the beginning of this episode when he was defining success right and we get so caught up in what society wants us to do what our family wants us to do who they want us to be how they want us to look but who do you want to be? Who, how do you want to look? Right. And I think that's what it comes down to. That's why we asked that question in the beginning of the show. How do you personally define success? Because we see time and time again that it continuously changes from every single person that we interview. It's always different. It's always personalized to them. Be yourself. Stay true to yourself and don't let anything alter that. And lastly, number three, willpower only gets you so far in life. Right. You could have the willpower to change, but it's only going to get you so far. Drew suggests changing your environment change your environment and there was a couple other things that are in there but if you didn't catch them I want you to go back and listen so those are my three points that stood out to me the most I want to hear what yours are make sure you're connecting with me on social you can find me in the show notes of this episode if you don't have me already which you should by now but if you're new to the show welcome I guess I'm welcoming you a little late but that would be really awesome to hear from you I want to know what you thought about this episode and again make sure you're connecting with Drew if you haven't yet make sure you're sharing this episode a really really powerful episode make sure you're sharing it with your people if you haven't left a rating and review yet that means the world to us also plus it helps us understand how we can tailor the show who you want on here what you want to learn etc so again i appreciate you hopping on here expressing my deepest desire for you to remain healthy yet again continuously remain healthy through this we're almost out of it let's keep pushing forward and until next time everyone be blessed peace